Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Coomer, it's an extraordinary day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat basketball fan. Indeed it is, Hummer. Today, we were fortunate to be joined by Keith Jenkins, Cincinnati Bearcats beat reporter for the Cincinnati Enquirer. He just came aboard uh, the Enquirer in June. He's already dropped several interesting articles. He also just released a very an, about an 18-minute interview with John Cunningham that I think is well worth Bearcats fans' time. But we were able to talk to him about his background. He is a University of Cincinnati graduate. He was the former editor-in-chief of the news record. I shouldn't spoil everything we get into in the podcast, but I did really enjoy the interview. Great conversation, and I'm really excited to follow his coverage for the Bearcats going forward. And, and here's a spoiler alert. Great radio voice. A fantastic radio voice. Uh, some people might say a tremendous radio voice. Uh, and then for the last spoiler, you know, this is for all – we know we have a ton of Xavier fans that listen because they just they, they just can't get enough of UC news because, frankly, there is no good news with Xavier basketball. Uh, we are not a solid program. Cincinnati is not a solid program. Guys, we're not. We're a great program. And this is why it's such an extraordinary day to talk to our friend, Keith Jenkins. We are now joined by Keith Jenkins, the newly appointed Cincinnati Bearcats beat reporter for the Cincinnati Enquirer. Keith, thank you for joining the Cincy Slang and Bearcat Basketball Podcast. It is my pleasure, man. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for uh, inviting me on. Absolutely. Well, you're, you're the new face on the block, but you are, it looks like, very familiar with Cincinnati. I think you're born and raised here, went to UC. So before we really jump into Bearcat-specific topics, I thought it'd be fun to get to know you a little bit about your background, where you grew up in Cincinnati, what high school you went to. That's a big deal when you're from Cincinnati. 100%. And, uh, yeah, so let's, let's learn a little bit about yourself. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, this is home. I'm born and raised here, Good Samaritan Hospital, class of 1985. So let's get it out there. You know exactly how old I am. <laughs> um, yeah, went to Wanted Hills High School. Um, it's, it's, you know, best high school in the state academically. I'm proud of that. So, um, but yeah, I'm an Eagle. And then I actually was going to play football for the University of Cincinnati. Um, Rick Minner was the head coach at the time. He was the first probably major uh, head coach, major program to give me a look. So yeah, I was going to UC. Um, that was the plan. And then he gets fired. So now I'm like, whoa, uh, now what? And uh, thankfully, um, I had some other offers on the table, University of Toledo, Boston College, a few others. And um, the University of Toledo, at the time, their defensive coordinator was Lou West. And Lou West played ball with my father, Keith Jenkins I, who was an All-American uh, for the Bearcats in the 70s. Um, so, yeah, I went to the University of Toledo. That's where I started. And then uh, I get hurt. And so my career as an athlete didn't quite pan out um, like I had hoped, um, but I transferred back home to Cincinnati, got my degree from the University of Cincinnati, um, really started to focus in on my career as a journalist, um, working for the news record at UC, um, working for WCPO, fan camp host for the Cincinnati Reds. And then I've been in Kansas, Kentucky, uh, worked for ESPN for three and a half years up in Bristol, Connecticut. Um, I taught broadcast journalism for a year to, and coached football for a couple seasons out in Arizona, um, which was a blast. And I love the kids and I love Friday nights. There's nothing like Friday nights, of course, under the lights. Um, then I went back into journalism, working for the Associated Press. I was there for about three years. Um, my last year with the AP I was in Wisconsin covering the Milwaukee Bucks, the Milwaukee Brewers, Green Bay Packers, um, 
I was just there. So Jonathan Taylor in the University of Wisconsin, um, and then Marquette uh, with Marcus Howard dropping 40 a night, right? Um, but that was a lot of fun. And um, my contract with the AP expired. I was either going to go back with them or I was going to go uh, over to ESPN. I had interviewed with them on February 6th, actually. And it actually looked like that's where my next destination was going to be. And uh, the pandemic hit. And so they were like, yeah, there's no sports. So we're going to go in a different direction until we figure out what this thing is going to look like here. And then um, the Inquirer reached out and, you know, we started talking and they just, you know, I think we both agreed that um, me being on that beat uh, would be a great fit for everyone. And um, so I'm, I'm super excited to be back um, in my hometown. And um, yeah, man, it just, it feels good. And I, I, I'm a big believer in everything happening for a reason and everything coming together the way that it's supposed to, when it's supposed to. And I just think how this all came together, it just felt right and I just couldn't ignore it. So um, nah, man, it just, it just feels really, really good to be back home and uh, covering programs that I've been around since, you know, before I could walk. So I'm, I'm super, super excited to be back. Seems like it's a rare opportunity where you get to not only cover the beat, but you get to be a fanboy at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I assured the Inquirer my my allegiance uh, will have nothing to do with my production on the beat. Um, but yeah, man, it's 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 pretty cool to, you know, I, I grew up with Huggins, and um, my family had a great relationship with him going to his basketball camps, and then of course you know Rick Minner and, and our relationship there. And then, um, yeah, so just to have, you know, a new batch of coaches in, um, you know, Fickle's still relatively new. Of course, Brandon is new. So to, to be kind of on campus and then Cunningham's freshly on campus. So to kind of, you know, build these relationships with these guys as they're just getting on campus and, uh, you know, figuring things out on their own plate. It's just cool. It just, it, it, you know, and then the city is, 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 there's a lot of fresh new voices um, you know, my mentors like Dennis Jansen and John Popovich and other people are gone. Um, so to just be kind of ushering in this new group and to be a part of this new group of, of sports faces and sports voices in the city, um, it's just really cool. So yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm super excited and the weather's been great since I've been back. So I'm just, you know, I'm loving life. I'm loving life. So you, when you got injured at Toledo and it sounds like your actual playing career just stopped and it, that was going to be it in terms of playing. Did you, yeah. end up, you ended up transferring to the university of Cincinnati? Yeah. So, um, I got hurt relatively quickly. Unfortunately, I got up there in gosh, beginning of August, um, maybe even July of, uh, 2004. And then, um, September I got hurt. I mean, the plan was to redshirt anyway. Um, but yeah, I got hurt, shredded my hamstring and it just, it, it, it was, it hurt like heck. And, uh, so I, I, uh, I, uh, rehabbed the injury, um, in time for winter conditioning. And when I got back, I just wasn't the same player. I wasn't as explosive. I wasn't as fast. Um, the things that were so easy for me before just weren't anymore. And, um, I think if I was being honest, I don't think like, you know, being a professional like my father was really my goal. Um, I think if the opportunity presented itself, I wasn't going to shy away from it. Um, but yeah, it just, it just didn't work out. And, and just, you know, and, and I, the great part about being up there is I was able to, you know, become really close friends with, you know, guys like Andrew Hawkins, um, who my dad was an mentor, a mentor for his older brother, Artrell, who of course was a Bearcat, played for the Bengals, Patriots, um, and I've known them, you know, pretty much my whole life almost. So that for us to, because he was actually going to come to Cincinnati also. I don't know if that's something he's ever talked about. Um, I might have just dropped a really big bomb on this. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but he was going to be a Bearcat. We were both going to go there together. And then when Rick Minner, you know, loses his job, we both were like, heck, what are we going to do? So then Toledo were coincidentally recruiting us both. And then we both decided to go. And then obviously he panned out and his ended up being amazing and now my life just kind of went in a different direction but the great thing is I've always loved journalism um writing has always been my passion since man when I was in kindergarten 
sitting at the writing table while other kids are playing with blocks and Legos and stuff. Um, and then Stuart Scott was a huge motivation for me and a huge inspiration for me. Um, so yeah, just, just, yeah, even though the playing thing didn't work out how I'd hoped, it all just worked out and I'm able to still continue to stick around sports and cover the game and follow the game and still, you know, have, uh, be able to exercise my passions, um, in sports. So yeah, it all worked out. It all worked out. Yeah. I was curious if writing was something you always knew you wanted to get into. I saw kind of looking over your website that you were actually the first black editor in chief of the news record, which is a a paper that's 135 years old, which in itself seems like an incredible accomplishment and something that you would, I mean, is that a, is that a connection that you still have? Like, is that a, an, uh, an organization, the news record that you stay involved with as an alumni, especially someone who is achieving such uh, great heights post UC? I'm absolutely, I think now that I'm back, I am, I anticipate having a much uh, more involved role um, over there. Michael Perry, who's their advisor, and of course works for the Cincinnati Enquirer, a fellow you know TNR alum. Um, he's already pushing to get me down in that office once we're able to do so and have an impact on um, the students down there. And um, July 12th, we're having a Zoom meeting with the sports staff at, at the News Record, um, just kind of, you know, teaching them some things. And especially, you know, during this climate where it's really hard to, you know, do what you really are used to doing. Um, so kind of finding some new approaches to um, getting the news out there. But yeah, man, the News Record was a really big part of my life. Um, you know, Al Savato introduced me, you know, he, he passed away of cancer, but he was the faculty advisor um, at the time. And he saw something special in me in a class and said, hey, man, you should work for the news record. I'm like, you know, what the hell is the news record? And he <laughs> said, uh, well, it's the student newspaper here. It's completely independent of the university. We don't get any funding or anything from them. You know, so we have our own ideas and we're able to really do what we love to do. And so he walked me down there and introduced me to the editors, Eric Harding and Nick Santos. And, you know, we all just clicked immediately. And um, yeah, it just, it, it was great. And then Al passed away before seeing my first story. And that was always something that was, to this day, it's tough. Cause he was a really big part of me starting there. Um, but I was back on campus on February 18th to get an award from UC and was just, you know, meeting a lot of people at the news record now, and then people who I worked with then, who were also being honored with these awards. Um, and coincidentally enough, man, two days later, the Enquirer reached out, and then the ball started rolling, and things happened. Um, so yeah, man, it's it's just weird, but it's mm-hmm. a weird, you know, like it just all came together, and I'm just really, really thrilled to be back. So we have a we have a mutual acquaintance. <laughs> uh, uh, were you fond of the the Sam Antics column of the news record? <laughs> Shout out to Sam. <laughs> Shout out to Sam. Yeah, that's uh we were definitely there around the same time. Um that's awesome. Yeah, Sam, Bo, Pete. Um, I don't know if you guys know Kareem, but I hired Kareem, Kareem El Ghazar, who's like the biggest photographer in the tri-state now. Wow. Um, but it's just it's it's he I remember uh we were in I think it was columns and reviews or uh, news writing and reporting. I can't remember what class it was, um, but Kareem was sitting next to me and Gail Towns was our professor. And she was like, uh, hey, you know, Keith is the editor in chief. So if you guys want to get involved with the news record, you need to holler at that man. He can help you out. And then Kareem was sitting right next to me. He was like, hey, you the chief? I was like, yeah. He's like, hey, I need to get in there. I need to get in there, you know. And uh, I took Kareem down there. He came through. and. Um, he and I have been tight ever since. He killed it immediately. And to see him, you know, shine and, and, and see how the great work that he puts in day in and day out. And then there's so many Bearcats up there at the Enquirer with, you know, Burl Love, who runs the whole show up there. He's a Bearcat. And then Jason Hoffman's the sports editor. Um, you know, of course, Michael Perry and, and Sam Green. And there's just so many other Bearcats up there. So it's, it's like a, a family reunion of sorts up there. And when I had my video call um, before they ended up hiring me, it was four of us on the call. It was Jason, Burrell, um, Michael Perry, and myself, and it was all Bearcats. And uh, so we were like, man, we got to send this over to Lynn and everybody up there um, at UC, because this is a big moment 
Right. And, you know, a week later they hired me and here we are. Well, Sam, I think was our first, first guest when we, when we were still uh, very much a green, green podcast. Um, so we shout we, out to Sam. What's yeah. Sam doing now? <laughs> Sam, Sam's down in Indiana. He's got a family, okay. a, a beautiful daughter and a wife. And, uh, awesome. in terms of where he's working, he actually just switched recently and I can't say I'm up to speed on where that is, but we try okay. and get his creative juices flowing. We, we had, had him on to do a little bit about the Xavier rivalry and, and he wrote up why it doesn't matter at all. And that was his, <laughs> that was his take. So, uh, now wow. we, we keep in touch with them. He's, we got to get the book of Sam going again on the Cincy Slang. Yeah. Podcast. Shout out to Sam, man. Really good dude. <laughs> I haven't talked to him in a while, but that's, that's great to hear his name for sure. So let me ask you in terms of how you view this role with the Enquirer, clearly you're going to be someone who's covering the Bearcats day to day across mm-hmm. probably all sports, but primarily focusing on college football, college basketball. Um, do you view yourself as someone who's going to be strictly approaching it from a reporting standpoint, uh, cut and dry facts, or are you someone who's going to have a role where you can chime in with opinions or critical analysis of where the program is and, and what's happening on campus? Yeah, I think, I think our immediate plan is to do a little bit of both. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a journalist first and foremost, like I said, so my fandom, you know, kind of goes out of the window, but look, I'm, I'm, I'm from this city. I'm, and I'm of the fan base. And I think that kind of gives me a little more we- a leeway to, um, you know, stretch my opinion, you know, wings a little bit. Um, but it's a, right now it's important for me to build those relationships on campus. Um, you know, it, it's been a long time and no disrespect at all to the previous, to the previous gentlemen who have held this role. Um, but Bill Cook was, was, was someone who, you know, he was on the beat during the Bob Huggins era. Um, and they were really close and, and, you know, that was when the inquiry was really tapped into what was going on on that campus. Um, and it's kind of been, um, you know, great work has happened since then, but you know, it's kind of been a revolving door of sorts, um, since Bill Cook was on the beat. And so, you know, the inquiry really wanted someone, um, that they can put on the beat that can build those relationships. That's familiar with the campus. Um, that's familiar with the fan base that's able to really be tapped in on what's going on there and can really build those relationships. Um, and I, I just, you know, I'm not tooting my horn or nothing like that, but I just, I think it, it, it makes sense that you would want to hire someone who's from here, who grew up rooting for these campus, for these teams, who, who, you know, was at games at the shoe and at Bob Huggins basketball camp and at UC football camps. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, 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 look, I pride myself on being, a great reporter, a great writer, a great journalist, all that stuff. And that's first and foremost. So I want to, you know, break news and write great feature stories and write, um, you know, awesome things that really showcase what's going on on that campus. You know, and I, and I told the coaches too, like, you know, I may write some stuff and say some stuff that you may not like. Um, that's just, you know, a part of this, the job. Um, but I also said that I'll never write or say something that I wouldn't say to your face. Um, and that's important that they know that. And it's also important for me that we can have that back and forth um, without anything being weird. You know, if if, if yeah. John Brandon, uh doesn't like something that I said or, or write, you know, he can call me up and say, hey, you know, let's let's talk this out or let's go, you know, grab a water. I'm going to say water and not <laughs> let's grab a water and just a talk. Bud Light, about, right. And, You're talking about Bud Light. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Um, and we had lunch the other day. We went to uh, to Incline Public House, which I haven't been up there, um, gosh, since it since it opened. Mm. So we did. We had a nice socially distant lunch, and um, and but it was just cool to really, you know, the view up there is amazing. So a few a free pub for them. Yeah, it's a great spot. Yeah, but but Brandon and I went up there and just you know just chatted off the record about our families and what you know, kind of landed us in these respective roles and how we ended up here across the table from one another. And we realized that we had very similar paths and that when I was covering UK basketball, um, he was at Alabama. So we were kind of talking about what we both saw in those UK teams with John Wall and Eric Bledsoe and DeMarcus Cousins and Brandon Knight and, and Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Anthony Davis and national championship. And then, of course, you know, that first Cal team was when they faced Bob Huggins' West Virginia squad in the Elite Eight. 
and then Bob throws that one three one on them, and they didn't know what to do with it. They hadn't seen it all season long, and John Wall and, and Eric Bledsoe they didn't know how to shoot yet. They still right. weren't there. They've learned how to shoot better, um, but at that point they were you know penetrators and and creating offense. But the, forcing them to step behind the arc and shoot was something they weren't comfortable with at that stage in their careers. And um, it exposed them. And I think everybody thought that year they were going to win the national championship. And then Bob pulled out the one three one And it was funny because Brandon and I were talking about it during the lunch. And um, we both said one three one at the exact same time. And we just started cracking <laughs> up. It was like, it's such a memorable moment because when he turned it on, you could literally see their faces churning UK. Like, what the heck is this? How do we attack this? Right. Um, and that was how they got. They, that's what they got. I mean, UK was so talented. You had three of the best players in the in the in the in the nation that year, um, who were all freshmen. You add in, you know, Patrick Patterson, and they. I mean, they were a force that year. You know, but Bob is, he, he knows what he's doing, right? He's been doing this a long time. And he, he uh, that one three one, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, it's very fitting that, that that his adjustment in that game would be a defensive one. We know about how great of a defensive coach he is. Yeah, um, I always maintain that after that game, Calipari put much more of an emphasis going forward on making sure he did have at least one or two just dynamite shooters on his rosters. Even if 100%. they were one and done, the, the Tyler heroes of the world, it just yeah. seemed like his his adjustment after that time was, oh, I, I need to have a couple of floor spacers on the court because we just got yeah. we can't let this happen again, or this can't be the reason that we're we're getting knocked out of these games. And I think he learned also because that team was so freshman led. Like they they took up a lot of the minutes that year. And I think he figured out I need some guys who are older and who can bring that maturity. And when those moments and when we're kind of freaking out, I need some guys who have been there before, even if it wasn't at that stage or at that level, but he's, he's brought in some transfers over his few years there. Um, some guys who are older, who can still ball. Um, so I, I think he really, I think he really learned a lot, you know, in those first two years, especially um, I mean, you look at that national championship team, you know, of course you had phenomenal freshmen, Anthony Davis, Michael K. Gilchrist, um, but you had guys who were who stayed around and who were older, Terrence Jones, and then who else was on that team? Um, Darius Miller, and just guys who could ball but were older. So it wasn't just freshmen. Of course you had Anthony Davis, and he was the big name. Um, but he w- it was a really well-rounded team that actually won that championship um, in 2012, 11. Um, but yeah, man, it just it's uh that was a really fun three seasons covering that program. And um wow, I mean I got stories for days from from that from that tenure. I can't, yeah. I mean I, I have a personal disdain for the University of Kentucky, but I would be so excited to just pick your brain about all the players you saw come through that program because everyone that, hates that <laughs> hates that program if you're from Cincinnati, right? Yeah, it's just too, it's it's layups. You're recruiting just these dynamite players. It's Calipari. We already have history with them at the University of Cincinnati. You know how that sure. goes. Sure. So sure. I did. I wanted to ask you something about the interview you just had. A few things about it, but to start off, uh, during your conversation with John Cunningham, you. Uh, we're asking about the university's reaction and maybe his personal reaction to the murder of George Floyd, how he was speaking to coaches like John Brannon, uh, Michelle Clark Hurd, uh, uh, several coaches. And they they put together a pretty rapid town hall. They wanted to, it sounds like, provide a forum where people could voice their opinions, their thoughts, how we're going to approach this as a university, as a leadership team. Um have you gotten any sort of insight into how coaches and maybe the administrative staff feels about the potential of players speaking up and having opinions about what's happening in the world, whether it be politics or uh, systemic injustice? That's, I'm just trying to get a sense of where you see is uh, with respect to players speaking up, because we're seeing it much more across the country. Yeah, yeah. Um all of the coaches have talked about that to me, both on and off the record, but just, you know, their players are understanding that they too have a voice. It's not just if you're a professional, look, these programs, especially football and men's basketball, bring in a lot of money. Um, And they know that now. They see the power in the dollar and they see what kind of platform they have as student athletes, even as amateurs. 
Um, but yeah, John was saying, John Cunningham was saying how he embraces that. He wants um, his student athletes and the student athletes on campus to feel comfortable um, voicing their opinions. And, and, you know, look, I mean, they got a lot of smart athletes on that campus who are opinionated, have great things to say. You know, there's no reason to hold back. You know, of course, you want to make sure that um, you're putting the university in the best of light. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody seemed from the conversations that I had, it wasn't about, you know, oh my gosh, we got to make sure that we have some speaking points ready just in case. Da, 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 da. They're like, no, like, this is important. These things are happening right in front of our eyes. We would be dumb to pretend that it gets, that it's not, that it's not impacting these athletes, particularly the young black athletes. I mean, you know, you see people who are dying on the streets who look just like them. Um, so it, 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 all of the coaches, and then I talked to Michelle and then the conversations that she's having with her um, young women. Um, so yeah, it, it's, I got a sense that they are very happy with the, with the athletes feeling um, comfortable to bring forward um, their opinions. When the football team went forward on social media um, and were voicing their opinions and putting up some placards and different things on online, that was the football player's idea. It wasn't coaches coming forward and saying, hey, I think we should do this. That was solely on the players coming up with that idea. Um, and then Luke was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. At first he told me that it was just the defensive guys. The defensive guys wanted to get together and do this thing on social media to show that they're on one accord. And then Luke said, all right, but let's, 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 let's group in the offensive guys. So the collective team as a whole entire unit got together to show solidarity and show unity and show that they were supporting the protests and the, the causes outside of the campus. And um, I think it's great, man. I love what, well, I love what's going on in college athletics now and, um, you know, guys understanding that, you know, even though I'm not a professional yet, quote unquote, um, I have a platform. My platform means something. You look at what happened down at Mississippi State and their star running back said, look, I'm not playing until you change this flag. And now you see what's happening there. They voted to change the flag. I'm not saying he was the direct reason why, but you know how huge football is in that state and in the South. And when you got a player of his caliber coming out and openly saying, look, this isn't okay. You know, I think that means something and people pay attention. Um, so I love what's happening right now. And it's, it's, uh, this, is a, this is a time that's very important. Um, and we're going to see how important it is 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now when things are really going to change from what's happening and what's taking place right in this moment right now. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Well, I'm, I'm personally glad to hear that feedback about the university. Cause I think what you're seeing, you're seeing that we have, it seems like coaches across the board. I mean, there's a few stars in, in terms of Luke Fickle, Brandon, uh, Michelle Clark, sure. who really, I mean, they obviously get a lot of publicity for their efforts and their accomplishments so far, rightfully so, but you're also seeing at other universities, some coaches who have been ingrained in a very old school approach. Um, yeah. And there's, there's a lot of challenges popping up where universities are being forced to make very tough decisions. And it, it likely is going to have some sort of impact on how their ability to attract players to their, their schools. And um, the consequences are a little bit unknown at this point, but it does seem as though you have a very forward thinking group of coaches that you see who are um, realistic and see the value of giving, embracing the platforms these players have because they do Absolutely. have impressive social media followings and you can use that for really good causes, but also just to, as personal development, your ability to use a platform and speak to your beliefs and, and doing so in a, in a, in a way that adds value to your community. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And I think they also know that you can also use it to your detriment. Right. So they, they have those conversations also like, look, you know, you can, you have the right to say whatever you want, but just understand that there will be consequences, whether positively or negatively that will come out of that. Um, and Luke, Luke talked about that also, and he's had, he's learned through this process of Zoom calls and not being able to be face-to-face -face with your guys, um, how important that platform is, those platforms are in social media. Um, he said something to the effect of, you know, he's paying really close attention to what his guys are posting, because that's, that's, that's probably the biggest indicator of how they truly feel right now. They may tell him one thing, you know, when they're having their one-on-one -on -one Zoom meeting, 
But when he looks at their Twitter handle and they're saying something else, he's paying it. And it's not a negative thing, but it's like, oh, I see. I, I understand. I'm, I'm taking the moment to really try to feed into and listen to and, and understand where my 19, 20-year-old, 21-year-old player right. is coming from. Because it's hard to understand if you're a 50-year-old guy, a white guy, and a kid who's da-da-da. But, you know, when you take that time and really try to understand where they're coming from and listen, and I think that's probably the biggest thing that's happening right now is guy, and then, you know, the great thing I think is the UC coaches, especially Michelle, especially John Brandon, especially Luke, are still relatively young, um, but they're willing, and they all have children, especially John and Luke, um, they're willing to take that time to say, all right, let me listen. I'm not just an authoritative figure in this locker room. Let me really take the time to listen to what my players are saying. Gosh, and that's huge. And I think that's a big reason why they're, they're stringing together really awesome recruiting classes right now is that they're taking this, you know, really new age approach to, you know, how this thing is going to look in the near future. And, you know, you see what Luke is bringing in. You see what John is bringing in. Um, you know, they're taking a really new approach. And I think it's paying off with, with the players that are coming in. That's good feedback. So I'm going to keep it moving here with another topic that you touched on with the in the Cunningham interview. And you made a comment that you don't tend to uh, partake in rumors and thing and gossip, but we do. On this well, we podcast, totally we do. absolutely <laughs> uh, have fun with rumors. And you you asked him pretty bl bluntly about uh, the Big Twelve and rumors that are swirling. So I really I wanted to to pick your brain a bit on what you are hearing and what prompted you to ask that question in the first place. Um, so like the first thing that I hear when they got rid of men's soccer was that you, you immediately think it's because of the pandemic. And then I, but I heard, and again, there was a rumor, but I heard that they got rid of men's soccer to make them more attractive for the big 12. Um, and again, this is a rumor. This is in fact, but as far as the totem pole goes in sports in the big 12 conference, men's soccer isn't up there. Um, from the outside looking in and the perception and what, how, where the money comes from and, and blah, 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 blah. Um, so that was a rumor. And I'm like, all right, I need to address that with John. And, um, you know, we talked on and off the record about that. And John Brandon and I talked on and on and off the record about the move to the Big 12 and the possibility of that. And I, I think it is a real possibility. It's something that they're really looking at. And I think John was honest. He's like, look, it comes up all the time. You know, if yeah. we talk about all the time and, and it's 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 a really real possibility that, that could be that that could happen but the reality is is we're still in the american and the good part about being in the american is they're the best in the american or at least they're among the top two or three in the american all of the time so what he has to do is remain a power in that conference continue to bring in the best players continue to sell out the arena continue to sell out nipper stadium day in and day out that way that continues to make them more of an attractive draw to the big conferences, particularly the big 12. And um, that would be an easy transition, I think for Cincinnati. And look, man, you got two high caliber coaches, Luke, especially, but Brandon's a good young um, head coach in this, in this nation. Um, you know, and his, 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 I mean, his background speaks for itself, what he was able to do at NKU in a short time. And then what he, what he did as an assistant, even stepping in at Alabama and what he's able to do there. Um, but, he, but if we move to the Big 12 or move to a big conference, you don't have to worry about coaches like those guys leaving. If you can get to a big conference, Luke will stay. You know, Michigan's okay. I can, I, if I can continue to, you know, churn out these big-time recruiting classes in the American conference, and no disrespect to the American, they have great athletes and they play great athletics in that conference. But if I can bring these athletes and sell that we're going to the Big 12 potentially, um, or we can continue to – he's already doing this stuff without the Big 12. So imagine you give him a Big 12 stage and say, look, man, we got this, this awesome Big 12 TV deal and we get all this other stuff coming in. It just, it just makes it so much sweeter. And both of those guys really love it here. You know, Brandon grew up here. You know, yeah, he's from Northern Kentucky, but his grandmother's from St. Bernard. So he grew up, he spent a lot of his time in the city of Cincinnati. And then Lucas from up the road and he's very comfortable in the city and he's happy. So man, a transitioning to a bigger conference would make it even more attractive to just keep them in, in the in the fold. Um, but yeah, I, I, John isn't going to say like, yeah, we're not talking about it. No, everyone's talking about it, including internally at, in the athletic department. Um, but right now their mission is just to be the best team that they can be where they are. 
that means that means if they're doing that, that makes them super attractive to outside conferences. So, um, you know, I'm I'm kind of in a weird space where I'm trying to build these uh, relationships. So I could have asked a lot more tough questions, and I'm thinking that as I'm talking to John. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I want to make sure that we get off on the right foot, and um, you know, it's a really weird time with the pandemic. We're not able to be face to face a whole lot. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll ask some hard, more harder hitting questions down the road, but I thought it was good. You asked that question. I, I didn't yeah, necessarily you know? expect you to bring up the big 12 speculation. Yeah. I'm glad you did. I'm also glad he I, answered. Honestly. I mean, he didn't yeah. deny it. He said, yes, absolutely. It's on our mind all the time. 100%. And I, and I think I asked it in a way that was respectful and not shocking and, and jarring and, and rude. And, um, but yeah, I mean, you, it's an obvious question. You know, we see what's happening, especially right now. Look, if you're in one of those power five conferences, you know, you're you're breathing a little bit easier. Um, not much, but a little bit easier during this really tough time. Um, so I think even more so now, you know, getting into one of those five conferences is even more attractive. And um, I think for him, if he would sit there and say, like, no, nah, we're not thinking about that. We're not worried about that. I think we'd all know he was lying, right? And he's not going to, you know, I, I appreciate that he didn't lie to our faces. So. <laughs> I'm comfortable in the American Athletic Conference. <laughs> indefinitely. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> when we're talking about rumors, I mean, you, you mentioned it, moving to a bigger conference, yeah. it, this, one of the selling points is easy. You're in the American Athletic, we're not not that we're not playing for playoff spots, but right now we're not playing for playoff spots. If we go undefeated this year, there's a strong possibility we are looking on the outside in at, you know, five, six, seven, eight, wherever we are down the road yeah. in those rankings. So getting into the Big 12, you go undefeated, that's no longer a conversation. You're saying, Absolutely. okay, I'm probably in the playoffs. Yeah. One thing that's interesting, though, is that with that dynamic is if they expand the playoffs and all of a sudden, you know, going from – four teams to eight teams with one of them being designated for this group of, of six or whatever we are, the group of five. Yeah. And the fact that we are not only in just our conference, but in that group, one of the top three teams, per, you know, per annually, uh, that maybe that's an easier route for us actually getting to the playoffs, getting to a national championship is staying in the American athletic conference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you're right. Um, if I'm, if I'm a coach, you know, I want to be in one of the top five. I want to be in that power five. And then, you know, no disrespect at all, of course, like to to the group of five or six, whatever they're called. Whatever we, whatever we call ourselves at the moment. Yeah, whatever it is <laughs> at the moment. Um, and, again, I don't want to sound disrespectful at all because it, the level of athletics that are being played in those other conferences is high. Um, what UCF did recently in the run that they had on the football field was tremendous. Um but uh, but yeah, man, it's it's um, it's everybody is trying to figure out how to make their program as stable as possible, um, and that was before the pandemic hit, and now it's even more so um, a priority. And look, you want to go where the money is, where you're most stable, where you have the most, the biggest support, the most resources, um, and it's in the Big Ten, it's in the Big Twelve, it's in the ACC, it's in the SEC. Um, it's just that those are facts. It's not an opinion. That's how it is. So you want to make sure that you're finding yourself where the money is, where the stability is, um, and where you can see yourself having a solid future for the next 10, 20, 50 years. And it's in one of those power five conferences. Yeah, without a doubt, we're, we're, wherever this next round of conference realignment happens, you know, you definitely do not want to be on the outside looking in, you know, mm -hmm we are stuck here because we were left on the outside looking in. Yep. And so, yeah, we, well, you said it's great. We're, we're top of our conference, but it's like, we're, we want that extra level. Like I want to be able to play Kansas every single year. <laughs> and you got to think like, whether we like it or not, or whether we want to accept it, I think what we're going through right now, and in let's say worst case scenario. And again, worst case scenario, there's no football season this year. I think because of the finances and the numbers involved, they're going to do whatever they can, whatever what's in their power to make sure that there's going to be some 11 on 11 action going on in these stadiums. Um, but let's say there's not happening. Um, the money is so important. And like I said, where is it biggest? Where can we have the biggest share of the pot? It's not in the American conference. It's yeah. in the Big 12. It's in the Big 10. It's, you know, and so you're looking at the, the five options. 
and you're like, where can we fit in most? Where can it fit in the easiest? Where would it be an easy transition for everybody involved? And it is the Big 12. And they know that, and they're going to position themselves to do what they bet, what's best for them. But I think also John Cunningham saying, look, we're happy here. I don't think it's just saying something that sounds good and it's what he has to say. Sure, he has to say that. But I think if they were um, – I'm not going to take a shot at any programs over there. If they were a program who was, who wasn't performing as well and on the, the latter half of the standings in the American, I think it'd be hard to say we're happy in the American. Yeah. We're happy in the American because we're stomping every week, right? Yeah. Like if we're getting stomped every week, we wouldn't be happy in the American. I'll do it. I'll do it for you. East Carolina does nothing yeah. for me. I said it. UConn. I'm just, I'm just here. UConn literally had to run away from the American athletic conference. Uh, it's a great point. I think, what Hummer was saying, I think that actually is extremely intriguing because it might be an easier way, an easier path to the playoffs. What it sure. may not do, though, it may not give you the additional resources that you need to actually compete for the championship. Whereas if sure. you enter that bigger conference, uh, if you get in the Big 12 or get in the ACC, like in theory, you have the resources and, and the uh, cachet in that kind of conference to compete for a national championship. I think that's the selling point for someone like Luke Fickle who may have bigger aspirations uh, down the line. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it goes both ways too. Cause you look at what Bob was able to do, you know, in the nineties and the two thousands in the conference USA, you know, he, I mean, he's beaten up on teams in that conference and they're number one in the country have national player of the year candidates. So you can, you can sell it like, look, no, we're not playing in the power or whatever conferences, but if you come here, you know, I'll make sure that when we're on the national stage, I'm going to put you in the best position to succeed. And I'm going to, you know, he was able to build programs that were massively successful, get Jordan brand deals from the conference USA. Um, it's unheard of. Right. But, you know, look, man, if you can recruit and you can talk and you can go into living rooms and deliver and, and bring in awesome talent, None of that matters. Like, the, let the conference, all that stuff. And I think that, that's what Luke's showing you. Like, I don't, it doesn't matter what conference I'm in. I'm going to deliver top-notch recruiting classes, and we're going to have 11, 12 win seasons. Deal with it. <laughs> that's the nail on the head is that our coaches and, and John Cunningham's approach is just continue dominating this conference, right? Do what we can. And I think at the basketball level, John Brandon can dominate basketball here and compete with the best in college basketball at UC as it currently stands. We don't necessarily have to go to a di different conference to, uh, to be a better basketball team. Bob Huggins is a great example. He proved it. Uh, you can be a, a dominant, quote-unquote, mid-major uh, or lower-level conference team and, uh, and still compete for Final Fours and championships. Football, I think, is a different Xavier, right? Yeah. <laughs> Damn <laughs> if <it>. only. <laughs> yeah. We're number one in the country, but Xavier's number one in the city. Remember those, those, oh, those yeah. signs? Oh, my gosh. Well, I saw I saw a good one though. It's been like a, a hundred years or something since Xavier's last national championship because they've only been around for <laughs> right, right, years. Right, right, right. Well, let me ask: Who is so quick pivot here? Who is your least favorite or or most disliked Xavier player uh, that you've you've experienced throughout your lifetime? Oh my gosh! Just one? Yeah, yeah. A few. Who 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 bothered you the most? <laughs> Who bothered you? Um, gosh, uh, Tyrone Hill. Um, oh, wow. Nice. That's a nice callback. Um, now I'm having – who was the kid? Was it Blewett? Who was the kid that dropped like – Oh, God, yes. It was Blewett. Oh, my gosh. Like headaches, man. Like, And shout out to him. Like he played incredible in those games. Um, but, yeah, I hated him. You know, like, look, I'm, I'm a Bearcat. Let's, I mean, you know um, – Man, in the 90s, I'm trying to think, like, Lumpkin. Holy crap. Like, okay. he was just terror. Um, who's the guy that just won a ring with the Warriors? His name is escaping me. David He's West? David West. Yeah. And it's on that list where, like, there are certain guys you just don't want to mess with. And he was on that list. Um, but he was just – he was an awesome player. And he yes. was one of those guys where, like, dude, you're in the wrong locker room. Like, you're supposed to be over here with us. Like, yeah, he never had the personality of a here. Xavier guy. You're not supposed to be Xavier. That's not right. That's, like, that's yeah. why I never actually had a, a disdain for David West because of that. I just thought, you know, I, I certainly am not a fan, 
for that reason. But I look at him, I'm like, you, you ended up at the wrong university. That's not where you, that's not where you should have ended up. I remember it was, uh, what was it? Eighth grade. I think it was for me. And, um, my mom and I went to the game and it was at Centos. I want to say, yeah. Cause I don't think, I don't think they were still at the garden. I think they were in Centos at that point. I can't remember, but we were like the only two Bearcat fans in a sea of blue. And I'm like, man, I don't care. <laughs> you know, um, nah, but I just, I, yeah, man, I, I could not stand Xavier growing up. And I, and I was one of those fans too, being honest that, you know, a lot of people like, man, when they're in a tournament, man, I don't care. Like, let's root for Cincinnati, like the city. No, I don't know. No, no, I'm sorry. Like, I'm, and I'm sorry, you know, but no, I don't care. No. Uh-uh. I'm not. I'm not one of these SEC people who's going to be, you know, an Alabama fan saying I'm going to root for Florida because of the conference. No, get the hell no, out of here. Alabama man. fans are not rooting for Florida, and there's no way in hell no, I'm rooting man. for Xavier in any any form, anything, nothing. Auburn's not at home. Auburn fans aren't sitting at home rooting for the Tide. Like, all right, look, win this championship for the SEC. Nah, man, that's not happening. They're they're the biggest Ohio State fans in that game. <laughs> no, no Buckeye fan is rooting for you know blue on Saturday and vice versa. Like, give me a break. Like, and that rivalry is as big as any of those. I don't care what anyone says. Well, I always like to joke with my Xavier uh, fr- uh, fan friends that their school is a stepping stone for coaches. Uh, and, you know, prove me wrong. You guys have had, what, five coaches over the last yeah. 20 years. We have had three. And I'm pretty sure one of – one of two of them we fired. <laughs> hey, fan, you know, like – all respect to Xavier. They've had some really great coaches and people come out of that program and, and even some pros that have panned out. So whether I like it or not, they've had, they got a decent program over there. I hate to admit it, but they, they yeah. figured it out. And, uh, and uh, damn it, 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 it definitely uh, gave me some gray hairs pretty soon in my, in my, in my young life. There was a, there was a, a, some sort of ranking floating around the internet on Twitter about the all time ranking of college basketball programs. And UC made tier two, which was basically great program. So okay. uh, it was right below. Oh, there, was, there was another one that was, that was tier three. Uh, and they well, kind of did it like five, five schools. They did the Blue Bloods. Then they did like okay. the top you know, five through ten. And then they started off like Ohio State being 11. And then they put us like right above Syracuse, LA number 15. Yeah. No matter how you slice it, we're, we're viewed as a top 15 program. And I just saw that that Xavier was in there as, as like a quote unquote solid program. And I just think, yeah, perfect. You're, you're right. solid. You're a solid program. That's, solid, and I, yeah. solid, not great. Yeah. Solid, not great. You know, you're okay. And then just think if that fatal, that fateful day in, in 2000, when Kenya Martin goes down, just what, what would have been, you know, I am absolutely, you know, subscribing to that was our year and I may or may not have cried. Yeah, if, if we win that game, I think there's a legit conversation that Cincinnati is a blue blood. Yeah, and if he doesn't break his leg, I think there's a legitimate argument you could make that Cincinnati would have been is a blue blood program. I mean, you you couple that. Let's say they win the national championship that year. You couple that with the Final Four that Van Exel and them went to in '92. You know, I mean, those were two of the most solid runs in the past 25 years or whatever. Um, Oh, I'm getting heartbroken. All right. Next. We did we did talk to I think it was Leonard Stokes on a podcast Leonard a few months ago and he we did officially say that Michigan State has the only asterisk on a national championship in history. So, you know, they it's not a real championship and they, and they can't celebrate it as one. Um Jeez. to get to modern day basketball and and what's happening with John Brandon's team, we did get some big news recently about the strength coach uh yeah. who uh, the the king of the monster factory that he is leaving for UConn. He's going to be operating in a, in a similar role for their school. Have you learned more about what caused that? Uh, was it strictly a financial situation where their personal life situations where ending up in Connecticut is more ideal for him? And and let's give him a name. The strength coach is Mike Rayfelt. I think I'm saying mm-hmm. that correctly. Um, great, great success with the university of Cincinnati. Seems like a big loss. I know John Brandon is going to get to work quickly on trying to replace him, but what can you tell us about that change? Yeah, I sent, I sent John a text. Um, I said, is this true? He said, yes, it is. I said, what happened? I haven't heard back yet. And I'm not saying anything weird went on there or whatever. 
Um, but I don't, I don't know the specifics um, of why he left and, 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 you know, did their move out of the American have anything to do with his decision and, and what personal things went into that? I'd love to be the super insider and be like, yeah, this X, Y, Z happened. Um, but I haven't gotten the details from, from Mike or from John. Um, I'm not, I don't know if there was anything weird there. I have no idea. I don't know. Um, it could have just been a business decision. It could have been just something best for him and his family. Who knows? Um, but I, I do know that I don't think, and this is no knock on Mike at all, because um, I think what he what he did while here should be commended. Um, but I think, like as we discussed, Cincinnati is a top tier program. Um, it's a it's a it's a destination spot. It's a spot that um, you know you can really have strong success here with whatever conference we're in. Um, so I think that you know John is in a is in a good space where um, I think it it'll be it's an attractive lure and I don't think he'll have any issue with um, finding a uh, super qualified person to put in that spot. So um, I don't know the subsistence behind that move, but um, I think John's in a good spot where he'll be able to fill that with a, with a pretty close person. I was just, I was surprised because, and in, in you've, you've obviously been the Bristol, Connecticut, um, you know, the landscape of, of what Connecticut looks like and probably have been the stores, Connecticut. And it is one of my least favorite places on earth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not ideal, especially in the winter, obviously. Um, but I mean, that's Connecticut basketball is Connecticut basketball. And even yeah. though it's been down relatively, you know, in the last in the last few years, um, it's still like, you know, it's on that list, too, of it's, you know, there's your Dukes and your Carolinas and your Kansases and you're, but you're yeah. up there. And I yes, it's definitely a top 10 program all the time. Like you're you're going right. to go. There. Right. And yes, yeah, Cincinnati's on that next, you know, spot. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a bad move, especially how UConn is, is trying to position themselves into that, that bigger conference and those, those bigger stages. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, you know, people make moves and, 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 you know, hopefully in the next day or two, I can figure out what really went down there. Can you imagine willingly going to work and choosing to work for Dan Hurley? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no, no, I cannot. Um, but obviously some people can and, and a lot of players can. And, uh, hey, man, he's a great basketball mind, right? To each their own. But, man, his his on-court antics are just completely – It's a lot. It's a lot. It's, a it's lot. doing a bit too much. It's a lot. Hey. It's because he's from Jersey. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> well, hey, you've been generous with your time. I want to I at least touch on this in case, you know, you did say you met with John Brandon recently. Yeah. Any indication from him about what he expects Keith Williams to do in terms of deciding whether or not to enter the draft? Has he gotten any sort of feedback yet? I know that process has been made difficult because of COVID-19. Does yeah. he have any sense one way or the other as to whether Keith is leaving? And just for some, some insight and some context, we've talked about this quite a bit. We've talked to an NBA draft scout, and they made a pretty good case that Keith Williams has a, a legit chance to go in the second round and it made us believe that, hey, leaving is probably a more realistic option than people might expect. No, for sure. Um, and I don't think John will have a problem with saying this, but he told me that he was going to speak with him that night. Um, you know, when we when we met for lunch, he was like, yeah, because I had asked him. I was like, yeah, what is what is what's Keith going to do? He's like, yeah, we're going to talk about it tonight. Um, I think the honest answer to that question is that there's just so much up in the air right now. We have no idea you know, what these next two, three, four months are going to look like. The draft's in, what, October? Um, That's a long way away. A lot can happen between now and then um, as far as what the world looks like, what the NBA will look like. Will they even be able to play down there in Orlando? Um, Keith possesses um, a lot of rare skills and a lot of uh, things that NBA GMs want in their programs right now, Um, and that's, that's undeniable. And I, like you said, I think that's what makes him such an attractive pick in the second round. Um, and I, and you got to think too, like you know, you know, the state of his family and what are the, what state are they in financially? Is this just a move that will really just you know help his family right now? And and you know, he's already positioned himself, you know, close to his degree. Um, so if he left, it's not like he would be you know saying goodbye to his academic future. Um, and I think right. that's something like like we were saying, like how these these the students are really understanding you know, the landscape and their power and, and what's in front of them. And I think that's an example of, 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 of he's seeing, hey, man, I really have an opportunity to change my family's life. 
Um, and it's a real opportunity. It's not something one of these guys who leaves school early and you're like, wait, what? Like, nah, Keith has a legit shot of making a roster in the NBA and being an impact player on both ends of the court. Um, but yeah, John, John did speak with Keith. Um, and the, the details of that conversation uh, will be off the record until he's able to, to come forward with that. Um, but yeah, they're definitely, you know, kind of laying out their options and, 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 but you know, you know, I I think Brandon's probably like, look, man, if you want to come back, you gotta, you gotta see, you know, we got a spot for you and, and he'll respect whatever decision he comes up with. Um, but that's, that's definitely something that, you know, John is, is, uh, massaging and not like as in getting him back, but just making sure that, you know, Lakeith is like. He could be the the new face of the next big thing for this program. He could go to the NBA and have awesome success. Um, he and you know Jacob Evans and find his way. And and you know you want to build on those building blocks for future recruits. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a good it's a good story. You come in and you're saying, look, you've come here for three years, and we will develop you, and you have the ability to be an NBA player here. You know, and, and probably even more so. Let's say Keith pans out you know, during this period, like during this period where it's tough to get in, it was tough, it's a little easier now, but it's still difficult to get in a gym, to get into gyms, to stay in shape, to stay fresh, to, to get in front of GMs. You can't, there's no face-to-face interaction right now. You can't get, a, you can barely get on a plane and get in front of someone. Um, but if Keith can find his way onto a roster and have success, I, I think that's huge for Cincinnati basketball and, and, and getting recruits going forward. But, but yeah, John and, and him are having conversations and, uh, you know, when he's ready to come forward, what those conversations are about, uh, hopefully it's with me. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll stay tuned then to Cincinnati.com. My man. <laughs> my man, my man. So what do you, we'll kind of sign off with a couple final questions here. What are you most looking forward to in terms of covering the Bearcats this coming season? You know, I'm really hopeful that, you know, there is a football season. Um, I was confident at one point. I'm not so much anymore. And that's, that's nothing. That's no inside information. It's just looking at the world. I think creeping into July here, I think we thought that we would be in much better shape as far as the virus and the numbers and it or not. Um, you know, states who opened up really quickly are now feeling, you know, the brunt of that. So I, I just, I'm really curious to see, you know, when a decision will be made as far as how this thing will go. If they try to say, hey, you know, it's not safe for, you know, students to be on campus in full-fledged form at this point, but then you want to try to have a football season? Look, if I'm a student athlete, if I'm a parent, I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay that you're telling me that my son can't go to school, but he can play football. Like, that, you know, that doesn't make any sense to me. Right. Um, so I, I'm, just, I'm just really curious to see how these next two, three, four months pan out, um, and if it even bleeds over to, uh, to the men's basketball season. Um, you know, you see – and it's public record. You can check out, you know, their their budget and all that, you know. But football is something like sixty eight percent of their entire revenue, athletic revenue. And then if you couple in men's basketball, it's like eighty four percent total between those two programs. Um, so again, I mean, like when you hear numbers like that, they're going to do whatever they can do to make sure. Um, of course, you know they they want to make sure people are safe, and and if they can have fans, it's it's orderly and no one's spreading the virus. But with the sure numbers that are involved here, it's it's. I just find it hard to see that there's not seasons. Um, but we may not have a choice, you know. I mean, this this we can't control this. This the you know, Corona's in in the in the in the driver's seat. You know, COVID's <laughs> in the driver's seat. So we got to do what 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 happens there. But yeah, I mean, what am I most looking forward to is just seeing how this thing plays out. This is unprecedented time for our country, for our world. Um, and it, it seems so small in the grand scheme of do we play sports? Right. I mean, these are futures. These are, you know, if, if there's no seasons, the athletic department has to figure out how to pick up the pieces after that. Um, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited to be around and to be in my community to see how this thing unfolds and to be able to tell the stories of how this thing unfolds. But um, it's going to be very interesting over these next two or three months. Well, the uh, the last questions are very controversial. Oh, crap. Uh, they're, they're, these are the ones that get that get you let go in your first month on the job. So, first one, 
Skyliner Gold Star. Oh, Skyline, 100%. That, that's that's the only right answer. <laughs> I like Gold Star too. Let's be clear. I do like Gold Star, but if I only had to choose one, Skyline, 100%. We just need to stop asking that question, Hummer. Nobody ever answers differently. It's the same well, answer every time. Shout out to Montgomery Inn. Shout out to uh, Grater's Ice Cream. Yep. Um, I love all the flavors, but black raspberry chocolate chip is like far and away the best. That's our second question, man. You, you just nailed it. <laughs> um, I, I've had all of my, my favorites here except for Montgomery Inn. So um, open up the bow house, you know. Send me a gift card. So I'm, I need to get in there. I need to get in there. I just haven't been able to. They only they, they open at four. Like, come on. Like, yeah. I need at least we tried to go. Brandon and I tried to go there the other day and they weren't open. We're like, oh, God. Wow. Um, if nah, ever there was I'm, a reason I'm, to open up. I've gained like eight pounds since I've been home. So like, it's, it's on. <laughs> so what are your go-tos around town? Let's say just like restaurant establishment type places where you'd go have a sit-down dinner or a drink. Let's let's get your a glass of water. <laughs> your go-to bar, your go-to restaurant. What are your favorite spots in Cincinnati? Okay, so um, the best brewery in town is West Side Brewing. It's on the west side of town. Obviously, it's on uh, on, on on Harrison um, in Westwood. And my name may or may not be on the wall, so there may not be a bias there. But no, my my buddies own that brewery, so I got to make sure that I, I shout them out. But and they are um, very, very good. Coast yeah, but, but that, I mean, it's, and it's a really great spot. And they've done a really good job during the pandemic of, of, of uh, you know, making sure that deliveries are being made and all that stuff. Um, and there's 40 million breweries in the city, and a lot of them are really freaking amazing. Um, but, yeah, my, my go-tos, I mean, Montgomery Inn, Bowhouse is just, it's, 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 that's the top. It doesn't get any better than that. Whenever there's a, a special occasion in my family, that's where we are. Um, and we go deep. Like, it's not just one, two of us. We're in there 15 deep. Like, and I'm getting the, the steak and rib combo. It's not even on the menu. But when I walk in, they already know what it is. Like, I need a wow. filet. I need a slab. Um, and I'm going to get a fully loaded baked potato. And I'm, I might get the strawberry cheesecake or the strawberry shortcake as a dessert. Um, but it doesn't get any better than that. And quietly, maybe my favorite place in the city is Penn Station. Um, okay. I just like I I can't get enough of the Philly and the fries are amazing. Um I gotta get the lemonade though without the ice because you know the lemonade's not always cold. So once you put the ice in there, the ice melts quickly, it kills the freaking taste of the, the uh, but yes, Penn Station's amazing. Amazing. Wow. I can agree with that. I actually live in Philly, so we do we always do this. We were set up, we were we were made for the COVID environment with, with yeah. our technology setup. Yeah. And I go to Cincinnati and I go to Penn Station. It's one of the first places I go. It's so good. Their cheesesteaks are better than anything you can get out here. Is Penn Station right? local to Cincinnati? I didn't know. Is, Penn, like, is it a local franchise? 100%. Wow. 100%. I didn't realize that. Um, and I didn't, I wasn't sure of that either. And then Brandon and I were talking about it the other day. And he went to uh, their, uh, I don't know, the heads of their company get together, whatever you call their big thing, whatever. And he was one of the speech featured guests at there. And he was like, Holy crap! It's a Cincinnati-based company. I had no idea. Um, but yeah, man, it's 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 it's. When I got that award in February, I got off the plane, I got in the Uber, and I said I was standing at the Cincinnati in downtown, and I said I need you to go to that Penn Station right around the corner. That was the first stop when I got off the plane. It, I did a beeline right to that freaking. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got I bought two uh, pints of. Uh, black uh, raspberry chocolate chip ice cream today. So I'm gonna probably kill one when we're done here. <laughs> Touche. Well, hey, let's go. What is the award you won recently? Was it like from the University of Cincinnati? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so the university has only offered a journalism degree since, gosh, 2005, I think. Um, so what it was, was the, the top, uh, since it's only such a, it's still a relatively new degree. It's the ones who are excelling with that degree. So it was, it was, it was me. It was Tom Demaropoulos over there at uh, where is he? Um, oh, he does business real estate stuff for someone, and I'm and I'm drawing a blank. Um, but it was those of us. It was like five or six of us who have that journalism degree and are doing awesome things in journalism. That's basically what it was. So it was an opportunity for us to come together, rehash some stories, 
Um, John Hughes, longtime leader of the program, was there. Um, Lynn Penix was there. Clyde Gray came out, you know, famed WCPO anchor. He was sitting right behind me. And it's like, man, does this make you feel old? Like, look at your name up there with your graduation year. Doesn't that make you feel old? Um, but no, nah, it was a huge honor. And my family was there. I had by far the biggest cheering section. Um, and the guys from Westside Brewing were there. And we went there wow. afterwards a lot of drinks so, uh, so yeah no nah, man it was it was an honor and um and that was, it was it was really cool and I didn't know that I'd end up in Cincinnati what two three months later but it all worked out and I'm happy to be back well congratulations on that it looks like it was called the young alumni award that's yeah. a big time honor uh well deserved we're really looking forward to to talking to you more and following you along as you cover the Bearcats really appreciate your time Keith thanks for joining us today on the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast Thanks, guys. My pleasure, man. I look forward to meeting you guys in person when we're able to do so. Hey, I'm right in Clifton, so uh, I'm right okay. in the Gaslight area. So we'll, we'll hopefully have a drink together sooner rather than nice. later. At some point. Let's do it. Let's do it. If we're lucky and there's a football season, Temple's, temples in Philly. <laughs> yeah, true. There we go. There we go.